Hello, everyone, and welcome to Food Safety Matters, the podcast for food safety professionals. I'm Stacey Atchison, publisher of Food Safety Magazine, and I want to thank you for joining us for this special bonus episode of the podcast. Now, every processor knows that shelf life testing is an integral part of assuring the quality of your products. But not every processor understands how to best do this type of testing. There are many, many variables that contribute to the quality of food products, and knowing how these variables affect the product takes, well, an expert. And it just so happens, Food Safety Magazine's editorial director, Adrian Bloom, recently sat down with one such expert, Trevor Craig. Trevor is the Corporate Director of Technical Training and Consulting at Microbac Laboratories. He is currently responsible for the direction of Microbac's food testing, consulting with food manufacturers across the country to help decision makers optimize their businesses from lab to production to sale. He's been working in the food industry for more than 15 years. He previously worked at other large labs across the country on hundreds of different projects and product types, conducting shelf life, accelerated, and challenged studies for each lab. Trevor's first role in the industry involved working for an ingredients company with applications to food and agriculture, including antimicrobials used for shelf stability. Okay, I think we're prepped, and now it's time to hear that interview. Well, I'm here today with Trevor Craig, Corporate Director of Technical Training and Consulting at Microbac Laboratories. And today we're going to discuss how different dates on consumer food packaging affect shelf life and food quality and safety, and how Microbac helps clients manage food quality and safety risks to protect consumers and their brands. So Trevor, really happy to have you here with us today. Um, first question for you. Can you explain a little more about best buy, sell by, and use by dates and, you know, the differences between those, why those differences are important and, you know, what's required for each of them? Yeah, thanks for having me today. Uh, the interesting thing when it comes to those dates is they are kind of not universal when we experience food, which is something rare when we're talking about packaging out there. Uh, and they're not required. You do not have to have any expiration dates on a product except for baby formula. That's the only product that is required. Uh, but a lot of customers include them and good luck trying to sell your product in a grocery store if you don't have some sort of date on it. Uh, and the reason people include them is strictly for quality control purposes. So use by, sell by, best by dates are all kind of interchangeable. Um, sometimes they mean a little bit different to the customer or they mean a little bit different to the manufacturer. Uh, but really what we're focusing on there is when is the right time to buy the product and consume the product where it's going to taste, look, and be the best for the consumer. Because if you have a bad experience with the product, you're not really going to want to go back and purchase it again. Uh, and what they're really trying to protect is that brand name and whatever is there with that brand name so that you are a returning customer. Um, so sometimes you'll see best by dates or use by dates, and that's just to encourage people to actually consume the product by that time. Um, and then you'll see sell by dates, and that's to encourage the grocery store to remove them from the shelf so that when the customer buys them, it's not bad by that end of the next day. Uh, and that's really all they're focusing on is really trying to get out there and have the best product available to anyone who's purchasing it. Mm -hmm. And so how do these different dates affect food safety and food quality? So shelf life is one of those things that kind of falls in line with food quality and not food safety. So people often assume 
that if it is past its shelf life, that it is unhealthy or dangerous to eat. And usually that's not the case. Um, what we're talking about is a product should be su- safe to eat on day zero and the entire time it's on the shelf. Uh, and if there's you know, salmonella or listeria on day zero, there's going to be salmonella and listeria on day 120. Mm-hmm, right. um, so just because you eat something, you know, two days past expiration date doesn't mean that now it's riddled with salmonella or listeria or E. coli. It could just be there's too much bacteria and it might be, you know, discolored. You know, I'm sure you've probably seen some beef that is a little brown um, or maybe has a funky odor. It doesn't necessarily mean it's dangerous. It just means it's probably not the best product that you want to consume. So when customers are looking at that, they need to be able to separate those two things. You know, my food safety is testing for the safety of people to eat this food, while my food quality is how good is that food to consume throughout its shelf life, whether it's at the grocery store or in someone's fridge or on their counter or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And so with an eye toward uh, preserving food quality and helping companies do that, what is the difference between shelf life testing and routine product quality testing? And how do you choose which one is best for your product? So really, you probably need to be performing both. Um, Food safety testing is required in order for you to release a safe product to the market. Uh, How often you do that or with a frequency or what you're testing for really has more to do with the type of product that you have and the things that you're using for that product. So, you know, if you have a beef raw ingredient, you might have to test for something different than if you have a cooked ready to eat product. Uh, And you should be doing that testing no matter what. Uh, And that testing can be testing the finished product or testing of your environment. So, you know, an environmental monitoring program uh, is often used to supplement or replace final testing because you may not be able to. Um, But like I said earlier, it's really hard to sell your product to any grocery store if you're not giving them a type of shelf life, uh, because it reflects poorly on any of those vendors if you're going around shopping for product and A, it's moldy or not looking good, or B, the client purchases it in a day or two, it's rotten and they don't want to eat it anymore. Um, So you really need to be focused on that food safety testing to make sure that your product is safe and able for everyone to consume. Uh, But you also have to be pretty focused on that food quality so that you don't get grocers mad at you, you don't get customers mad at you, uh, and you don't have people leaving your brand. Uh, because, you know, I'm sure we've all had a piece of bread where we go back into that and we've noticed, oh, some of this is kind of moldy and some of it doesn't look so good. Um, And that can really mess with people's heads. And a lot of people don't really know what to do when it comes to food shelf life either. Um, And on a more global sense, there's a huge amount of food waste because people aren't handling food shelf life because they're confusing it for food safety. Uh, And that can be really, really tricky if you're not giving all the information to your customers when they purchase it. So can you tell me a little bit more about how Microbac Laboratories conducts shelf testing and, you know, how do you tailor each study to a specific product to ensure that shelf life is determined correctly? Yeah, we try to make it as flexible as possible when we're working with the client because it's unlikely that you're making a single product. You probably have lots and lots of products and they might have different ingredients and they might differ slightly, but that could really affect the shelf life long term. So when we're writing a shelf life, we make a couple different options for the client, whether it's we completely uh, consult with you and tell you, here's our suggestions and here's our interpretation of that. Or if we're just running the study and giving you the data and able to make that. Um, One thing that I've noticed as I work on a lot of the shelf lives through the company is uh, a lot of their auditors are accepting less and less that the person who works in the facility is making those judgment calls. They're really looking at someone else to say, here's the data, here's how we analyze it, here's how we made that judgment call. 
Um, and there's more than just, you know, the microbility, micro stability of a product. Uh, you're also looking at, you know, does it smell funny? Does it look funny? Does it get discolored? So those are things that are best handled by a manufacturer to say, okay, this isn't the color we want it. This isn't the taste that we're looking for. Even if it's microbially sound, we may not want to sell this product because it's just not the type of product that we want out in the market. So we have to partner with clients to ensure that they're getting what they need from our organoleptics or those measurements like the smell, the taste, all those things. And then we'll be able to provide that microbial data to back it up to say like, yes, it's there's no mold growth or there's very little mold growth or there's very little lactic acid growth. If we don't have those types of partnerships with clients, we can be running studies that in the end doesn't really prove anything for them. Uh, because all food eventually goes bad. Uh, how fast it goes bad depends on you know how you're storing it, what you're putting in there, uh, how you're instructing people to open it and close it, uh, the types of containers you put it in. So if we don't have that information up front, it really doesn't benefit the client to actually make a shelf life study because if you're doing a year-long shelf life study and at the end of the year, you've decided to change your packaging, everything that you've done previously might be altered by those changes to packaging. So we do a questionnaire, we talk with the client back and forth, we write a few proposals, go back and forth to kind of help the client get there. And it's pretty rare that we actually, you know, on the first run, we have a perfect study. Most of the time, we have to talk it through and say, you know, what are you looking for? Here's what we can provide. Here's what we can say. Here's what you'll need to look for in order to get to that final stepping point. And that's a little bit harder than I think what people give credit for in a shelf life. You you can't just put, you know, six days from the day we made, it's going to be still good. You have to be able to back that up. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's really interesting. So then how do you monitor the shelf life of long term shelf stable products? Yeah, it gets a little bit trickier because uh, we have some products, you see some products out there that you know, uh, uh, produce is probably only good for a few weeks at best. Uh, but you see things like canned goods or packaged meals, they have shelf lives for years in some cases. Uh, Normally, if we would run a shelf life, those are real-time studies and waiting years is not always a viable option. Uh, you know, you're know, you probably trying to sell your product now and you want to put dates on it so you can get it to as many customers as possible. And if you have to wait two to three years for that, you can't really do that. Um, so one of the ways we help clients is by doing accelerated studies. Um, and that's really tricky when it comes to food because you're making some assumptions. Um, so the first being is, you know, is your food stable? So if you normally store your food frozen, In order for us to accelerate it, we kind of have to heat it up and keep it at a higher temperature to kind of mimic what's going on faster. But if it's a frozen product and we put it at room temperature, it's not going to last long. Uh, It's going to rot really quickly, and we're not going to be able to make any sort of acceleration from those studies. So we have to find the right match for the right product. So uh, I worked with like you know candy that melts if we try to heat it up too much hotter than art it normally is. We can't do accelerated studies on those, but chocolate generally has a long-term shelf life. So an accelerated study, we're trying to heat those products up, mimic what happens over a longer course of time, and then kind of back calculate to what that looks like. Uh, And we use a lot of uh, different factors to kind of say, you know, one week equals how many weeks at normal temperature. uh, And they're all based off a lot of assumptions. So normally you still do have to run a real-time study to say, you know, we're assuming that this is what's going to happen. And then we have actual evidence to say this is what happened. Um, And it we have found in multiple cases that it actually can be longer or maybe it's not quite as bad as you think it is. And so it might be, you know, accelerate say for two years, but after two years, we see like, maybe this could probably go a little bit longer. Um, And so we kind of have to, again, work with the product and see what's going on there to best tune what we're running for these accelerated studies to kind of get you the data as fast as possible, but also make sure it's good data to have because if your product is completely melted after a week, that's not what it looks like on the shelf. So we can't predict what that's going to end up being for a long term, you know, a year, two years from now. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. So you mentioned a, a few different types of studies. Um, tell us what is the difference between a shelf life study, an accelerated study, and a challenge study, and how is the data from those evaluated and applied for the customer? So a shelf life study is typical real-time study. So if you say that we are storing this product at room temperature, uh, we store it at room temperature and we will test it throughout that shelf life. So if you say room temperature at six months or a year, that's what we'll do as a shelf life. An accelerated study is then increasing that temperature uh, generally by you know a factor of 10 degrees up and up and up to see how long does it do and then back calculating to what that looks like at a real temperature. So, you know, a real-time study is at 25, an accelerated study might be at 35. And then saying, you know, does six months equal a year when we're comparing those two studies? And then a challenge study is kind of a supportive study that you can do. Um, some products just have antimicrobial properties naturally in there, uh, but you can't make those types of claims without proving that those are existing. So with the challenge study, we will take your product, we will purposely spike it with known organisms and known concentrations, and then test over a period of time to see, do those known organisms die off? Do they continue to grow? Is this a continued problem that we see? Or is this something that happens and they're completely died off and your product doesn't have to worry about microbial growth because nothing's going to survive in that product. So then you have a much longer shelf life than you initially thought you did. Um, more often than not, we think people people think they have a antimicrobial property in a product, and it just doesn't naturally exist. Uh, they are hoping that you know a small amount of an antimicrobial ingredient is going to have a big effect, and it doesn't always work that way. And there are a lot of bacteria out there that are, uh, you know, not necessarily going to fall in that little antimicrobial bag every single time. So you might have an antimicrobial product that prevents mold growth, but you'll still see some mold growth from certain species. And you still have to worry about that because a lot of customers just don't know what to do. So, you know, if you open a product and it has mold, uh, I was talking about this with a client earlier today uh, and they said, oh, I just cut the mold off and then continue to use this product. You know, is that okay? Well, there's a lot more involved in that than just saying yes or no. You have to really look at those types of products and figure out, are they good to go? Is it okay for you to cut those mold off? Would, you know, would you want to feed that or eat that yourself if you're cutting just the moldy corners off? Uh, and, you know, what do you think about that if your customer were to see mold and say, well, I got your product, I just cut the mold off and kept eating it. Um, but we also know that, you know, yeast, mold, lactic acid, bacteria are important parts of a lot of food out there. So making sure we have those in the food to make the food taste the way we want it to be or be what we want it to be is also important. So um, I think the more you look out there for shelf lives, you see it's not necessarily, you know, listeria or salmonella, you're talking about aerobic plate count lactic acid bacteria, yeast, and mold, and is that naturally occurring in your product and how much is acceptable in there? And you know, a raw ingredient versus a finished product, they all have very different things. So you can't do a one-size-fits-all for any type of study. Mm-hmm. Well, Trevor, this has been a fascinating discussion, and thanks for explaining uh, the differences between the different dates on um, consumer packaging and then also about the different studies that you use to help uh, clients, you know, determine how best to ensure food quality for uh, their customers. So Trevor, where can listeners learn more about Microbac Laboratories and the services they offer? Uh, you can visit our website at www.microbac.com forward slash shelf. That's M-I-C-R-O-B-A-C. Uh, and you can visit there and see any of the free webinars we get. Reach out to me directly with any questions you have about shelf life or consulting, or you can view any of our free webinars. We offer those on a monthly basis uh, where we talk about topics like this and give greater detail and go into kind of the specifics. Uh, all of those have landing pages on our site, and they're all open for anyone to find. 
Great. All right. You heard it. Lots of great resources. Go check them out. Thank you again for the discussion. It's been a pleasure having you on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks again to Trevor Craig for this informative discussion and Microback Laboratories for sponsoring this episode. You can find more information about Microback shelf life testing options in the show notes in your podcast player or on the episode page on our website, food-safety.com. We hope you enjoyed this special episode of Food Safety Matters, and we'll talk to you soon.